Last minute escapes. In the sun? What is the best airline? Or the worst airline? What happens if my flight is delayed? Or cancelled? Would I be put on a new flight? Or would I be refunded? What if it takes me days to get home? Hmm. Benefits of a UK staycation. When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. Brushing our teeth is one of those habits that's just so ingrained in our daily routine, we don't really think much about it. But maybe we should. I mean, do you ever actually stop to measure the success of your toothpaste against the glittering objectives that are set out on its tube? How seriously should we take products that say they're improving our smile, whitening our teeth or preventing gum disease? Are glitzy, expensive whitening products actually any more effective than regular old fluoride toothpaste? Or is it all just a gimmick? A 2021 study found that 17.6 million of us preferred to use a toothpaste that claimed to whiten our teeth. It's not surprising, given that 40% of us aren't happy with our smile. That's according to another survey that was done a few years earlier. At which, where I work, where we make this podcast, we make a living from putting products to the test, as well as asking experts what they think about the things we buy every day. And as you're about to hear, when it comes to toothpaste, the jury is still very much out. I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, does whitening toothpaste actually work? Which Investigates is brought to you by the UK's Consumer Champion. We work to make your life simpler, fairer and safer. If a particular consumer qualm is keeping you up at night, we can look into it. Just send us an email at podcasts at witch.co.uk or give us a shout on social. So this week, we're looking at a product that we all use two to three times every day. Here's a short history on the origins of toothpaste. Toothpaste has been on the market for more than a century. Now, let's all just take a moment to imagine how awful people's breath would have smelled before it was invented. So we have a lot to thank the American dental surgeon Washington Wentworth Sheffield for. Yes, it's a strong name, isn't it? He created a ready-made tooth cream which had mint extracts in it, and he'd use it on his patients who would frequent his surgery in the state of Connecticut. But it wasn't long until a brand we all know arrived on the scene. Before the turn of the century, Colgate and company began selling its own toothpaste, which mimicked Dr. Sheffield's cream and came in collapsible tubes. 
toothpaste has come a long way since then, although the basic idea remains the same. Its purpose is to clean our teeth and in doing so, prevent stains, gum loss and tooth decay. But here's the thing. You see, we don't think all the products on the shelves now, in 2023, are really up to scratch. So whitening toothpastes are by far the most popular, and it's easy to see why. Hi, I'm Dr Nigel Carter. I'm the Chief Executive of the Oral Health Foundation, a charity promoting the benefits of good oral health to the public. Dr Carter is a world-leading expert on oral health, and we'll be hearing his thoughts on whether the products on the market right now actually work throughout this episode. It really is a very confusing area when it comes to tooth whitening toothpaste because they've been around now for probably 25 to 30 years or so. And when they first came out, there was a view in people's minds that a tooth whitening toothpaste would do similar sorts of things to a professional whitening at the dentist. And really, we've got two very different things going on here. With a professional whitening, there are bleaching agents in the things that the dentists use, the products that the dentists use, and these will actually physically change the colour of the teeth. With tooth whitening toothpastes, they're actually achieving an effect of appearing to change the colour of the tooth by better removal of stain, which builds up on everyone's teeth over a period of time, however well we clean them. So in theory, these products should, at the very least, be removing stains. But what about whitening? As Nigel says, that's more confusing. So let's bring in Ian Aikman. He's a health researcher here at Witch, and it's his investigation that's forming the basis of this episode that you're listening to. There's a lot of change going on. There's always new products coming out. And so we like to take a look at the latest developments and see how they really work, if they really work, and if they're worth spending your money on. We see a lot of veneered influencers with gleaming smiles pushing teeth whitening products. I asked Ian what he'd observed in the current toothpaste market. I think if you look at the toothpaste shelves on your weekly shop, you will see a huge range of toothpastes with all sorts of colourful and interesting packaging on them, all claiming to do different things. A lot of them are whitening toothpastes. People want their teeth to look white. That's just the way it is. So yeah, toothpaste manufacturers know that and they are trying to give you products to meet that demand. But there are many different ways that the whitening can be achieved. And I think trying to sort of dive into those, trying to understand those, was a key factor behind doing this research. Ian mentions packaging here, which is something we'll come back to because it's problematic in its own right. Ian mentions packaging here, which is something we'll come back to because it's problematic in its own right. But first, we're going to look at different ways of whitening your teeth and scrutinise whether they really work and what the difference is between, say, a £2 toothpaste and one that costs five times as much, essentially answering whether it's worth spending that extra cash. We'll be giving our dental experts two products from each whitening category that we look at. So first up, we have instant whitening toothpastes. Now, most whitening toothpastes work by removing surface stains, but some promise instant whitening through what is really optical trickery. 
instant whitening toothpastes are probably the most common whitening products that you'll see in the shops. And rather than intrinsically making teeth whiter, they work by removing surface stains, which are caused by food and drink, and essentially restoring teeth to their natural colour. So how do they actually work? So how it works is the toothpaste is purple, sometimes maybe a bit of a bluey colour, and you brush your teeth with it. In terms of its ingredients, other than the colour, it is a normal whining toothpaste. So it will have ingredients in like uh, silica or things like that, which will remove stains, or that's the idea. And it will have fluoride, which will stop decay, which is important as well. This kind of reminds me of the purple shampoo that you use when you dye your hair blonde to stop it from turning brassy, but I've no idea if it's the same science. On that, let's find out a bit more about these ingredients like silica and fluoride and how they actually work in a toothpaste context. In the UK, as a result actually of long-standing EU legislation, we can't include in consumer cosmetic products a sufficient strength of any of the bleaching agents which are available in other countries. And this is things like um, peroxide and so on. So the amounts of those in a toothpaste in the UK and the European Union will not be sufficient to change the teeth. So we're reliant on generally particularly abrasives. And the main abrasive in toothpaste these days is silica. And there are hundreds of different silicas available which have different properties. And some of these have been developed specifically to better remove the stain off teeth. And fluoride? Fluoride is really the absolute essential in terms of a toothpaste ingredient and in terms of reducing decay. Fluoride came into toothpaste in the late 60s, early 70s. That's been largely responsible for totally changing around our decay experience in this country. And that's why it's so essential that people do brush twice a day for two minutes at a time with a fluoride containing toothpaste. OK, so what about the colour then? Why is it purple? What this one does is leaves a film of purple particle on your teeth. And since purple is at the opposite end of the colour spectrum to yellow, it then cancels out the yellow. So even if there is still yellowness in your teeth, the idea is that that's not visible anymore. So I said I like to think of this as sort of tooth makeup. Like you put it on in the morning, when you clean your teeth, your teeth look white until it wears off. And that's the real problem with it, which is that it is temporary. Mm, I think it is a bit like that shampoo, you know. So what I'm gathering from this is that instant whitening is really all in the optics, an optical illusion, if you will. But Nigel has his doubts. The whole concept of instant whitening, and I must admit I hadn't seen these products on the shelf, made me smile because it reminded me of toothpaste that were available in the 1950s and 60s, which actually stained the gums red to make the teeth appear whiter. And in fact, these are still on sale in some developing countries in the world for exactly the same reason. It's difficult to see how they last and the companies really haven't provided any great evidence on those. And clearly over a period of time, they're going to wear off and that sort of coloured layer is going to go. So it's a very short-term effect. I guess you could say it's a bit like putting a 
a very short acting nail varnish onto the tooth, which is changing the colour. So bit of a gimmick and it's stretching the idea of what whitening is because it's not actually doing anything physical to the tooth in terms of lightening the colour of the tooth or in fact removing stains. For the instant whitening category, the two products we looked at were from Colgate and Pearl Drops. When we spoke to Colgate about the research we were doing for this investigation, they emphasised the temporary nature of optical enhancement, but couldn't tell us exactly how long it lasted. Pearl Drops hadn't got back to us at the time of recording. So next up is clinical whitening. A lot of whitening toothpastes, and toothpastes in general really, will talk about essentially how scientific they are. So you'll see the word clinical right around a lot on toothpaste packaging. There's even one, my favourite one, is a toothpaste which comes in the normal toothpaste tube. And then around that you have like a plastic second tube, almost as if the toothpaste inside is so powerful that you can't touch it with your bare hands to take it off the shelf. And cardboard would not do enough to prevent it from damaging everything. We looked at a toothpaste from Oral-B, which had the word clinical in the name. And we asked our experts, what does this actually mean? Is it just sort of marketing speak? You know, like, can anyone say clinical? It does have a meaning. What it means is that lab tests were done. It means the lab tests were done about that specific toothpaste to prove that it does what it says. Well, we like a good lab test at which, so I'm already feeling a bit more confident about this one. Our experts also agreed. They said that Oral-B provided good evidence to show that their scientific tests backed up their claims, although it is worth remembering that the results you get in lab tests aren't necessarily going to be replicated when you go to use the product in the real world. But they were confident that this toothpaste would whiten your teeth by removing surface stains and help prevent future staining because of ingredients like sodium hexametaphosphate and sodium fluoride. Here's Nigel's view on the Oral-B clinical whitening paste. The fact that you're talking about clinical here means that there have been some sort of clinical studies carried out on the product to prove that it actually effectively does what it says on the tin. But this means that the claims have better scientific support, whereas some of those claims on these sort of cosmetic type products were much less well scientifically supported. But scientific accolades like this often come with big price tags. The Oral-B toothpaste we tested can retail for as much as £18, which is an awful lot for a tube of toothpaste. Yeah, some of these can be pricier alternatives and it's a decision of the consumer as to whether they want to invest in something like that. It's aimed and targeted at a small sector of the market that are prepared to pay more for the apparent cosmetic effects that they feel that they're getting from using the product. It's important actually to say when we're looking at toothpastes that the essential ingredient in any toothpaste is the fluoride which helps prevent decay. So a basic fluoride toothpaste and a toothbrush you can get from nearly all the supermarket chains for around 75p. So there should be no barrier towards people being able to look after their teeth. So next up, we'll be looking at the merits of charcoal toothpaste and a new kid on the block, which is toothpaste tablets. 
But first, should we be concerned about the tubes that toothpaste comes in? Here's Rob Harrison, editor of Ethical Consumer magazine. Originally, toothpaste was packaged in aluminium tubes that would roll up, and that seems to have stopped, by and large. They're very rare now. Actually, they were great for recycling, because aluminium is a really good product for recycling. But aluminium packaging has been you know, increasingly replaced with multiple material packaging, which is essentially plastic with an aluminium-type lining so that it'll roll up and this kind of stuff and, and the squeeze will stay. The mixed materials packaging is always particularly hard to recycle. The recycling levels in the UK are poor enough already, but with mixed materials, they're pretty non-existent because no company can commercially recover the stuff. I used to love squeezing that last tiny bit of toothpaste out of the rolled-up aluminium tube. But they were prone to splitting sometimes, so I can understand why the new packaging was brought in. But is this reason enough to justify switching to something that can't be recycled? I asked Rob whether this would be feasible in the future. I mean, in a sense, recycling is a cost that is borne by councils. And councils, particularly at the moment, have got lots of other things to spend their money on. And so in a sense, when we're buying cheap products, we're just kind of making someone else pick up the cost somewhere else. And it's often the taxpayer, in the case of recycling, lots of materials that aren't commercial. Some recycling, like aluminium, is commercial, but lots of plastic really isn't. And so it's a cost to be borne, you know, at the far end of consumer supply chains. So if we can't recycle our toothpaste tubes en masse, how long will it take these things to break down? Estimates range to about a thousand years in landfill and about 500 years in the natural environment, you know, if you leave it by the roadside in the wind and the rain. And even at that point, you know, it doesn't come back as other materials. It still just breaks down into smaller, smaller pieces of microplastic. It's an alarming image, isn't it? But it should be said that manufacturers are working to improve the sustainability of their products. There is already a huge push towards putting these old types of tubes in the past. It's been recognised that it would be a good thing to make them recyclable. And I believe that over the next few years, Oral-B and Colgate both said that they will have fully recyclable tubes across their whole range. And at the moment, they already have a large portion of them recyclable. But like I said, it really is down to whether your local council will actually be able to recycle it. Well, let's hope these changes happen sooner rather than later. In the meantime, though, back to the substance inside the tubes. Let's talk about charcoal toothpaste. This is controversial, uh, to say the least, and it's sort of a almost sort of ironic concept that, you know, you talk about coal as the blackest thing. How can that make your teeth more white? The answer is that it's an abrasive charcoal. So you have to have abrasives, abrasive ingredients in a whitening toothpaste if you want to remove stains. That's how it works. But there are some studies that suggest charcoal might be too abrasive in certain quantities. We looked at some charcoal toothpaste. There's nothing to say that these toothpastes themselves specifically have too much charcoal in enough to do any damage. But our experts just pointed out that charcoal in a toothpaste is not the traditional way of whitening. And there's much less of a body of evidence behind whether or not it works. And the claims around it are sort of maybe to be taken with a pinch of salt. If a toothpaste is too abrasive, and Ian mentioned that some studies have claimed this is the case with charcoal, then there's a danger that the protective enamel coating on our teeth could be damaged, which would then lead to worse decay. 
And remember, we mentioned the importance of fluoride in protecting our teeth. Well. Very often these are inferior products, less so in the UK, but in the US, uh, a number of the major social influencers have got behind products in the toothpaste line with no fluoride in at all. So they're actually promoting a product which is really inferior and doesn't perform the basic function that we're looking for a toothpaste to do. So, yeah, if you like the idea of brushing with a black toothpaste, it's probably going to do you no harm, but it's highly unlikely there are going to be any significant additional benefits. So it's safe to say there are better things to spend your money on than charcoal toothpaste. So our final teeth whitening product to scrutinise is a new contender on the market. These are toothpaste tablets. So what's the deal with these? It's like a little glass jar normally of little round tablets of toothpaste. That's essentially what it is. And you put the toothpaste tablet in your mouth and chew it until it becomes more of a paste. And then you brush your teeth with what you've managed to conjure up out of the chewing. Mm, I don't know what to make of that, to be honest. It sounds pretty clever. I like that they come in a refillable jar, which is obviously easier to recycle. I'd say I just thought it was weird. I just couldn't get used to using these tablets. I felt like I wasn't getting enough toothpaste from them when I was chewing it. That could just be down to me using too much toothpaste from a tube generally. I think maybe it's just such a difference to the normal routine that it never really started to feel normal. And what about Dr. Nigel Carter? Could they become a viable, greener way to clean our teeth? I think the basic answer to toothpaste tablets and their effectiveness is that we honestly don't know. There have been a few around for years, but there are now a number of people really sort of latching onto the eco bandwagon that you can have a recyclable container for them, that there's less waste and so on. What we really have not seen, because these are fringe products, so we haven't seen the type of clinical evidence that we were looking for earlier on of how these actually work. And there have been concerns expressed about the tablets actually having the amount of fluoride in that they're advertising in the case of fluoride tablets. And again, certainly we wouldn't be recommended non-fluoride tablets, which one of the products we looked at was. It's difficult to see it really taking off in a big way. It would need one of the major manufacturers to get behind it to really have any impact in the marketplace. At the moment, I think these things are being seen as a sort of, almost, if you like, a sort of health food shop alternative. So there we have it. With the help of Ian and our experts, we've assessed the claims of multiple teeth whitening products that are currently on the market. And clearly, we should be sceptical of a fair few of them. Although, as we've learned, if you see the word clinical on the branding, it does at least mean that there is some science to back up the claims. But the number one ingredient that we need from toothpaste in whatever form it comes in is fluoride. Without this, you're just not going to be cleaning your teeth in a way that's effective, regardless of what it says on the tin. Thanks for listening to this episode of Witch Investigates. As always, you can get in touch with us on social at Witch UK, or you can email us at podcasts at witch.co.uk. 
If you like our stuff, please leave us a rating or a review wherever you're listening. And don't forget our back catalogue of brilliant episodes as well, where we've investigated everything from fraud in football to greenwashing. We'll be back soon with something a little bit different as we attempt to get answers to your burning consumer questions. So keep an eye on our channels for more information about that. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Farrell, written and produced by Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer, and our executive producer is Angus Farker. A special thanks this week to my colleagues Ian Aikman, Jess Carson, and the rest of the food and health team here at Witch. We'll see you soon.